0: netcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is twit audio bandwidth for security now is provided by winamp subscribe to security now and all your favorite podcasts with the ultimate media player Download it for free at winamp.com. Video bandwidth for Security Now is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. You'll find all the Twitch shows on your Roku box, Android and BlackBerry phones, and all Yahoo Widget TVs powered by MediaFly. For more information, visit twit.tv slash MediaFly. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson. Episode 272 recorded October 27th, 2010. Fire Sheep. Security Now is brought to you by GoToAssist Express. If you're in tech support, solve problems fast with the leader in remote support software. Go to Assist Express. For a free 30-day trial, visit gotoassist.com/security. And by Carbonite. Backing up the files on your PC or Mac is safe and easy with Carbonite. For a free trial plus two free months with purchase, go to carbonite.com, offer code security now. And by Ford and voice-activated sync, featuring true hands-free calling, turn-by-turn directions, 911 assist, and more. Available exclusively on Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury vehicles. For more details, visit SyncMyRidePodcast.com. It's time for Security Now, the show that covers your security online. And uh, no man better prepared to do that, I think, than this man here, Steve Gibson. He is the guy in charge at GRC, the Gibson Research Corporation, grc.com. He's the author of Spinrite, which is a fantastic hard drive utility, a must-have for anybody who has hard drives, but also of a host of free and useful security solutions at grc.com. And he's been doing this show Nigh on almost well, we're on our sixth year, almost uh, five plus years now.
1: Well, I guess no one that you could get who's any better who you could get on short notice. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was I was available. Short
0: notice, we got you five uh, years
1: ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve, how are you today? Great, Leo. Good. We were. I promised last week that we were going to finally. I was going to finally be able to unveil a passion of mine for the last 18 months uh the benchmark the DNS benchmark that I have been working on and uh it got preempted as things are wont to do on our podcast when something even more fun and sometimes fantastic comes along as as happened this week we need to talk about something which was surprised everybody at a Security conference in San Diego this last Sunday uh, that took everyone by surprise, which is being downloaded at a frenetic pace. Uh, 300,000 copies of this little Firefox add-on was where the count was earlier this morning when I began putting my final notes together for this. Uh, Last time I looked, it was at 322,000 so in the last couple hours, another 22,000 copies have been downloaded. This is going to, the reason I'm excited about it, the reason we're talking about it, the reason it's my favorite Firefox add-on ever, is that it's wild, and I think it will finally force change. We've talked so often, I mean, until we're blue in our virtual faces, about the problem with, With open Wi-Fi and the lack of SSL security and what it means that logon credentials in the form of cookies are hijackable. Well, until now, it's been arcane. It's been difficult to do. This thing, anyone can run, and it shows you everyone who's using social networking sites, Web 2.0 stuff, in the same hotspot where you are, and allows you to hijack their session, logging on as oh. them with a single click. Wow! So, yeah, it's big. Wow, that's amazing. And we've got lots to say about it. Lots of news and updates, and a great podcast today. Very good. Well, and we we'll also have the, a,
0: the benchmark in two weeks. We have three sponsors today too. So let me let me start before <laughs> you get going. I know we've got security news and updates and and so forth before we even talk about this extension. Let me talk a little bit about our friends at Citrix and the great product they make for folks who are in support and I know a lot of you whether voluntarily or involuntarily do support. It's called GoToAssist Express. I've been using I started using GoToAssist during the screensaver's days. We we actually used it on the air from time to time. GoToAssistExpress Express is of course much updated from those dim dark days. Faster, better, easier to use and really more tuned for the support professional, as you would expect from Citrix, these guys really know how to make user software. GoToAssist was just named the worldwide market leader in remote support by Frost Sullivan. That's a, an industry analyst group that focuses on this sector. They called it the number one remote support solution worldwide because it's easy to use. It's affordable. It's secure. You don't have to pre-install software on your customer's machine. Uh, you, you. In fact, I was going to do this. Uh, I forgot, Mom. I was supposed to do this on Monday. And I forgot, but all I was going to do is uh, is make a Skype call to mom and then paste in a, a link to go to assist.com. She'd click the link, 30 seconds of software install, and I'm in. Not only that, I can remotely assist her from now on unattended. I can do eight sessions at once. I can find out what operating system exactly, what you know, what dot version of the operating system she's running, what security software, what software's running in the background. I could drag and drop files from my computer to hers, so if I've got a patch or a fix. She's on a Mac, I'm on a Mac, but we could do it from PC to Mac, Mac to PC, Mac to Mac, PC to PC. It's completely cross-platform. It is a great solution, and I want you to try it free for 30 days. All you have to do is go to the website. Go to assist.com slash security. G-O-T-O, assist.com slash security. And uh, you can install this and run it for 30 days and fix as many computers as you can. You could do it 24-7 if you've got the energy. I know that at some point you're really gonna want to buy it. It's very affordable, but you even can get day passes if you're you know if you're a occasional support pro. Go to assist.com slash security. We thank them for their support of security now. So let us start, I guess, with uh, with our uh, security updates here.
1: Yeah. Um a couple things uh, our listeners will probably who are you, uh, our listeners using Firefox may notice have noticed that their Firefox jumped up to three point six point eleven if they're on the three point six train or three point five point fourteen It's interesting, I thought we had announced because they had announced that they were going to stop moving three point five forward, but they keep doing that. I guess they just haven't had the migration over to three point six. Um, series that they were hoping for. So they have been continuing to fix 3.5 um, and and moving that forward. This was fixing um, a bunch of vulnerabilities, 12 in total, five of which were rated critical, remote, that is to say, remote code execution vulnerability. So uh, in an effective Firefox, Thunderbird, both the 3.1 and the 3.0 train of Thunderbird and SeaMonkey. So pretty much across the board, that's been fixed. Now, unfortunately, just two days ago, they, that is the Mozilla folks, were informed of a new zero-day vulnerability, which we don't often see in Firefox. In Firefox itself, it turns out that there's a mistake in Firefox's implementation of some aspects of JavaScript, which were first seen being exploited on the Nobel Peace Prize website. So people Whoa. just, yeah, innocent Firefox users who visited the Nobel Peace Prize website were getting malware installed into their machines Jeez. if they were using XP. Um, it, uh, the malware has been analyzed, and it looks like it's, it's specific to the Firefox version, so it figures out what version your Firefox is. And this is because when you go to the site, it the bad guys have installed probably using some CSS or cross-site scripting, you know, X, XSS, something, some technology, maybe, maybe an SQL injection. They got Java their JavaScript onto the Nobel Peace Prize website. So when that JavaScript runs, it checks the version of Firefox and then... Uses that with some version-specific exploits, which Mozilla is now aware of, but for which there is, as yet, while we're recording this, no fix um, to install code on your machine. But it also checks to make sure you're not you're not using Vista or Windows Seven, so it looks like it's. X specific. Not much is known about it right now. Um, it the the problem is both in 3.5 and 3.6, and actually in four, the as yet unreleased beta of Firefox. Although you can't get exploited under four, what they're in the process of doing is fixing it very quickly. I imagine maybe by the time our listeners hear this, there may be a 3.6.12 and 3.5.15. So, you know, my announcement of this just updated Firefox may already be obsolete. Um, Mozilla's own site says the only thing they know to suggest people do is, not surprisingly, either disable JavaScript or use NoScript to run without scripting by default. Um, But uh, again, you know, had you gone to that site and needed scripting, then then you would be in trouble if you turned it on. Now, this is the only place it's been seen. I saw some some other reporting saying it is being used at other sites. So, again, no script is your friend. Run without scripting if possible. Turn it on only for sites you trust. Um, And with any luck, this will get fixed very quickly. I mean, the the Mozilla guys have known about it now for a couple days. They know where the problem is. They're fixing the code Across their code base, so the the for the four version of Firefox will get fixed even though it's not vulnerable to the same attack, so it'll get fixed you know as 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 part of them fixing their their major code base wow. um, real player we haven't heard about for a long time because <laughs> nobody um, uses it exactly and i was gonna (laughs) i I was gonna say my advice is much as it is with shockwave which is you know less needed um unless you know you unless you really know you need real player because you know like your corporate media is only in dot rm format or something now is a great time to remove it rather than updating it unless you know you need it um they have released an across the, across the board patches for all of their various annoying versions of real media. They've got you know uh-huh. corporate and and um, executive versions and other stuff. Um, there are seven remote code exploits which they patch with this. So. You could either, if you know you need real player, you definitely want to update yourself because here's here's the problem. If even if you're not using it, if you installed it four years ago and you haven't clicked on any real media since then, it's still in your system and it can be invoked when you go to a malicious website through JavaScript, which is the the, the method of entry here. So so It's the kind of thing where unless you really need it, it just represents a vulnerability which you don't need to have. Um, So just go to add remove programs in Windows or over on your Mac and just get rid of this thing because... uh, it's doing nothing for you if you're not actively using it, except creating a vulnerability that you could, you know, well live without at this point. And mm-hmm. as you said, Leo, no mm-hmm. one's using real media anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, no. if I if I see something that I really want, and it's like you know, Which frequently R-M, happens with like older sites and stuff, and it's it like me crazy. Oh, oh, too bad. I yeah. know I'm not I'm not going to view that whatever it is because it's just not worth it. Yeah, just it's a bad viewer. Um, and just a note that Google, very much under the radar as always, has continued to creep Chrome forward uh, they fixed some more things we don't know what, but uh, it mo- Google moved to version seven point zero point five one seven point four three so fixing things as they do with their sort of low drama low disclosure continuous self repairing on the fly security updating. Um Adobe is in the doghouse yet again with a hard to believe. I know it's a big surprise. <laughs> How could this happen? I think we skipped them last week, but that <laughs> One week off, off. <laughs> I I, a week off. Jeez, exactly. Please. Um, they've got a zero-day vulnerability. And the good news is it's in shockwave player, which again um you probably can live without. Um once upon a time. When, if you looked, uh, if you were a Windows user who looked under Add Remove Programs, the naming that is the nomenclature they used for describing Flash and Shockwave was confusing. The good news is they've simplified it. If you if you look under Add Remove Programs, it'll just say the one you want is and probably can't live without. Hmm. I mean, I can't live without it even on my iPad. Unfortunately, I'm forced to is. Is Adobe Flash Player 10. That's what you'll see. Adobe Flash Player 10 plugin and Adobe Flash Player 10, you know, ActiveX or, or something. That's, that's what you need. Anything that now says Shockwave is vulnerable to a zero day problem. Uh, there is no update for it. So if you have to have Shockwave, then Running with no script, again, you know, scripting is the way all of these things get invoked. So running with no script will provide you some protection until Adobe is able to catch up and fix it. Uh, You can go, if you want to see whether it's installed, go to adobe.com slash shockwave slash welcome. And that will, it'll show you what version you have if it's installed or try to give it to you. If it's not, don't accept it. If you don't have it installed, you'll just know if it doesn't show you what version you have that you're you're safe from it. And you can also just go to add or remove programs. And again, it's one of those things like, you know, it's falling into disuse. It's their sort of higher power authoring platform for really sort of heavyweight, fancy stuff, sort of higher end above what Flash does. Flash is generally of course what everyone is using to a much greater degree so again very much like real player shockwave is is aging and is falling into disuse and obviously here it's representing problems because it rep- it's creating vulnerabilities which unless you need to have it installed just get rid of it <sighs> you
0: know it's funny so, the uh, new apple um, little the macbook airs yeah for the first time ever on a mac don't come with flash uh and really the the reason is probably just that if they build it in it'll be an old version and since there's so many updates these days they figure well if you need it you'll just install it i don't i don't, well, some people are interpreting it as a backhanded slap at adobe i or maybe a forehanded slap <laughs> uh, well i mean yeah, but i also understand okay so they ship it with flash on it tomorrow flash could there could be a big security flaw and it could be updated so wouldn't it be better just to let people install and they do the same thing with java by the way there's no java installed on it let people install it the most up-to-date version.
1: I haven't installed it yet. Well, and I was just going to mention that, speaking of Java, um, one of my notes here in news is that Apple has formally said yep. they're going to stop independently supporting and providing Java in the future. Right. That, they used um, to do their own JVM.
0: Uh, and so they're going to let Sun do it. Well, and why not? Exactly. You know why? Why take responsibility, especially now that there have been problems.
1: <laughs> well, and they're going a little further. They're saying that they're going to reject any apps written in Java oh. in the future. See,
0: this bothers Big, me.
1: Yeah, on their App Store, yeah. if if it's if it's, you know, th- th- this is going along with their same um on the iPhone issue. Remember Adobe tried to do the the whole, you know, cross-platform app development thing and apple said no 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 you got to develop using our tools not some third party interpreter thing their argument is that that such such apps that try to be cross-platform don't take advantage of specific features on that platform so jobs is taking a very hard line on this and this is very much along the same lines they're they're you know java Itself falls in uh, under that same umbrella of being an interpreter, and Apple is saying no. You, we're not going to allow people to do, you know, less than really good apps, right. uh, as right. you know, by their definition. So yes, so Java will not in the future be supported. I guess what uh ten point seven will have it, but not the future, or does ten point seven not have it? I would guess it's not because ten point seven is not out till next summer.
0: So I would guess ten point seven. Um yeah, but it doesn't come on these new Macs either but uh, but
1: you know that doesn't mean you don't get Java it means you could just install it yourself from Sun right and what typically happens is you'll install an application which was written in Java and so it will its installer right. will bring will drag Java along behind it right. in order to create the platform that it needs for running right yeah, I mean, no one just goes and gets it <laughs> because, <laughs> because they have nothing better to do that day. I
0: actually, I went and got it, and that's because I wanted to do development for Android, which requires uh, not only the JVM, but also the SDK. But so, this, is, this is you, Leo. That's me. Yeah. That's a little unusual. I agree. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So <sighs> Wall Street Journal has for some time now been doing a series Titled uh, under the umbrella title, Ugh. what they know.
0: Oh. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to breathe a sigh. Oh. You have got to remember yeah. they own. You know, this is they're owned by News Corp, which owns MySpace. So they yeah. got a little, bit, and they never disclaim that. I wish they would.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's funny because they did mention that the, the in one of these stories that the New York Times owned one of the properties that was being uh, hit upon here. So. In the latest story on on tracking, the Wall Street story begins, in the weeks before the New Hampshire primary last month, Linda Twombly, Twombly of Nashua, New Hampshire, says she was peppered with online ads for Republican Senate hopeful Jim Bender. It was no accident. An online tracking company called Rapleaf Leaf Inc., had correctly identified her as a conservative who is interested in Republican politics, has an interest in the Bible, and contributes to political and environmental causes. Ms. Twombly's profile is part of Rapleaf's rich trove of data garnered from a variety of sources and which both political parties have tapped in the past. Rapleaf knows even more about Ms. Twombly and millions of other Americans, including their real names and email addresses. And where does it get this information? <laughs> it turns out that they do deals with companies which use email addresses as part of their sign-on uh. logon user IDs. So that when you sign on to one of these sites, Rap Leaf, and, and that's, it's funny, I've, I've been thinking of them as Rap Leaf, and I have to keep reminding myself, Rap, Steve, Rap. It
0: might, might be appropriate,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, rap Leaf has a deal with them where they will disclose through a back channel connection your, your email address and the cookies that you're using with that site Whereupon Rapleaf installs their own tracking cookie that are synchronized and now they have your email address. They also, of course, have what other personal information that site has about you, including perhaps your real name, if you're if you're if you've identified yourself at some point to that site. So they are you know this is what we knew was going on we've talked about it before it's finally getting you know some some top of the fold press now which is i think all for the best because people have to understand you know what's what's going on but the thing now, to
0: underscore is in, in almost in fact as far as i know in every case this is material that they've publicly volunteered and 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 for instance a lot of this is Glean from Facebook, which is why I brought up MySpace. Yeah, it's from and stuff that's public on Facebook. So,
1: well, although what it turns out is, and this was another story under the same umbrella, it turns out that the top ten Facebook apps, even against the privacy settings that the user has set, a user on Facebook who is who, who's using maximum privacy everywhere, the top ten facebook's apps unfortunately leo farmville is among them is sending don't look at the... me i don't play farmville <laughs> oh i
0: thought <laughs> no i gave up farmville literally a year ago i it would drive me crazy what I, was that thing i play we rule that's not facebook and farmville that's a standalone app on the ipad okay but what
1: was the thing you were playing you went nuts over with the ipad
0: yeah that's we rule i don't play farmville oh, okay um, in fact anyway. i don't actually use apps on facebook for this reason but, well, but and, the point is, and I think the journal actually was disingenuous on this, uh, they did, against Facebook's own policy, reveal the uh, user ID in some cases. Correct. Uh, which can then be tracked to the user, but only information that is public, that is set to public, is it can then be viewed. So this is not information that isn't already available to anybody who just goes and searches for you on Facebook.
1: Okay. okay. That's the point. So, so using your user ID, you're able to get the... the person's facebook name right which you could find by a search as well but even all and also their friends because uh no that big- is
0: something that is leaked by apps and that's that i think is a big problem and i don't think yes. that's against the rules i think that that's something that apps do do all the time
1: okay so um rap leaf declined to disclose who they're working with yeah. citing ndas guarantee that- it's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. non disclosures, yeah, but the Wall Street Journal found sites installing wrap leaf cookies, including about dot com ping with two g's TwitPick oh. com twit pic, and Pixley are uh and and flickster uh tester rewards, and then both apps on Facebook and Myspace, yep. are hosting wrap leaf cookies. Uh, you know, essentially performing this kind of aggregation, and 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 to give our listeners a sense for for what 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 this means, the Wall Street Journal reported saying the journal decoded Rapleaf's information on some random guy named Gordon McCormack Jr., a 52-year-old who lives in Ashland, New Hampshire. Rapleaf correctly identified Mister McCormack's income range. The number of cars he owns, his interests in gardening and the Beatles, and his interest in playing the online game Mafia Wars, hmm. among other topics. Mr. McCormack says he plays Mafia Wars almost every day before going to bed. Rapleaf also identified Mr. McCormack as someone with an interest in online personals. He says he is an actively, currently Doing online dating, but might have a couple of profiles, quote, lurking out on the internet, <laughs> Okay, All right, okay. <laughs> when Mrs. Twombly, a New Hampshire Republican, registered at ping.com, P I N G G, using her email address, Rapleaf matched her to dozens of segments, as they call them, according to a journal analyst of the computer code transmitted while she was on the site. The journal, the Wall Street Journal, was able to decode 26 of the segments, including her income range and age range and the fact that she's interested in the Bible and in cooking, crafts, rural farming and wildlife. Ms. Twombly says all the decoded segments describe her accurately. In Mrs. Twombly's case, Rap Leaf transmitted data to her to at least 23 other data and advertising companies After she logged on to Ping, according to the analysis of the computer code, 22 companies, including Google's Invite Media, confirmed receiving data from Rapleaf. Rapleaf declined to comment on its relationships with the companies. And then I did a little poking around Rapleaf. And, of course, there is an opt-out page. You have to create an account with them. (laughs) <laughs> oh
0: great and give them all the information yeah and give okay. them
1: your information yeah, yeah. including your email address in order to opt out and it's like oh, okay i you know this seems annoying and due to all the attention that this company has received thanks to the wall street journal's analysis um there's a note there's a link on the front page you no know, not surprisingly www.rapleaf.com, to a A blog posting from their CEO that starts out, there has been a lot of press recently about Leaf's efforts to personalize experiences for consumers. The following are some thoughts by Raftleaf's CEO, Oren Hoffman. Anyway, I love the, and they're big on, well, we're trying to personalize your web experience.
0: Here's the value, right.
1: Yeah, and here's all the money we're
0: making by by helping you doing that. A couple of things we should point out. First of all, this kind of information. I remember doing a radio show with a company I can't remember its name twenty years ago, where if I gave you my zip code, they would know what magazines i subscribe to, what car. Because you yeah, should probably double click, Leo. Yeah, a lot of this. Well, no, it was, it was pre-internet. A lot of this stuff has been. Yeah, a lot of this stuff has been uh, available and known to marketers for for decades, literally for decades. The other side of this is. I guarantee you this guy, for instance, all of this stuff is 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 public stuff that he's put publicly on the Internet. Right. So um, I guess it's a good word of warning to us. If you don't want people to know this stuff, they are collecting it. Um, I'm not sure that they're doing it in a nefarious way. They're just they're they're using databases to aggregate information that we're putting out there.
1: Yeah. And, And so, you know, the the takeaway in the case of Mrs. Twombly, she was unhappy when she found out what was being done. And started blocking cookies and commented that some sites didn't work as well as they used to. Yeah. But she was, you know, she was under. It ain't
0: cookies, lady. It's your, your, your. If you have a Facebook profile that reveals all this stuff. Yep. Well, you shouldn't be
1: surprised that somebody else knows it. Yep. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. Sans, the, uh, the very good, the excellent security. Um, uh, cybersecurity outfit uh, in their most recent newsletter, they had a um, a quote from uh, a recent RSA Europe conference where um, the our Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff said something that I found a little bit disturbing. I wanted to share with our listeners, uh, quoting from the SANS newsletter at the recent RSA Europe conference conference held in London former US homeland security secu- uh, sec- secretary Michael Chertoff was called was ha- has called on countries to develop doctrines to deal with cyber warfare in the same way cold war doctrines were developed for a nuclear conflict he told delegates at the conference that over 100 countries are now actively involved in cyber espionage and cyber attacks and that clear rules of engagement need to be defined while stating that companies I'm sorry that countries should be able to respond to cyber attacks quote with overwhelming force unquote he added countries need not quote respond to virtual attacks with real attacks but i do think it's important to define when and how it might be appropriate to respond. Everyone needs to understand the rules of the game, unquote. Acknowledging that attribution of attacks is difficult, Mr. Chertoff posited that countries that are victims of persistent attacks against their critical infrastructure should be permitted to incapacitate the platform used as the source of the attack, regardless of who is controlling the attack. Unquote. Which really makes me uncomfortable, Leo. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. The, I, so he's saying that Internet attribution is a problem, which we understand. That is to say, you know, the fact that attacks, you know, are coming from IP addresses in China, as we well know on this podcast, in no way means that this is has anything to do with China, only that you know, a whole bunch of their machines have had, had zombies installed unwittingly, and that those machines are being used as the attack platform. So they should so, be able to
0: take them out with a
1: <laughs> Predator drone? And, and <laughs> off is saying, you know, at some point, this stuff does need to cross from the virtual world into uh, the real world. This is saber-rattling. I don't know. This I, is. I know. Just disturbing that yeah. there's this... And, and I have to say, though, the... Uh, I saw another note that the UK um was finally beginning to allocate serious money for for cyber warfare cyber defense um initiatives um, the feeling in general is, I mean, and I still feel like I'm a little caught up in a little bit of a sci-fi world here. But, I mean, it's becoming very real as we talk about, for example, you know, Trojans that are able to infiltrate nuclear reactor sites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really clear that, you know, I mean, look at all the trouble people have keeping this stuff off their own computers. And we know that the government is no better at it than individual right. end users. Right. I mean, the, the, where there really is penetration being made into sensitive networks. You. Ha- I mean, you have to think if they're
0: going to start taking out these computers that they're going to take out a lot of innocent people. Yeah, them,
1: it's, you know? it's frightening. And people who are just zombied without their knowledge. And France has passed and begun to enforce uh, their... Newest Anti-Privacy Law, the acronym is H-A-P-O-P-I, um, HAPOPI, and they've hired a third-party company to mo- in order to enforce this because they're not the enforcers themselves. The, 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 the law is now in place that, that, that provides for enforcement. So a third-party company has been monitored to – or has been hired to monitor – Uh, Popular downloading sites like Emule and BitTorrent to capture the IPs of the users of the sites to send those. And we're talking 125,000 a day is what they're ramping up to send the captured IPs to the relevant ISPs to obtain the email addresses of the people who currently have those IPs. And send them a first warning email, which reads, Warning, your internet connection has been used to commit acts recognized by police authorities, which could be regarded as in breach of the law. So, the first email reminds users that they're legally responsible, regardless of who actually downloaded the film or song onto their machine and if there's another infraction within six months, it offers, um, oh, then offenders will receive a registered letter warning them to stop downloading. Then a third offense can lead to legal proceedings and one-year internet connection blackout. So France is the first, first you know, big country to actively adopt a law and start enforcing it, and a lot of other countries are watching to see how this goes,
0: yeah, and a lot of other countries are considering a similar law. So,
1: yeah, exactly, Gary. Yeah, um, I had a friend for Errata who suggested he he was using Safari's private browsing, and he sort of assumed that when he turned on private browsing, he would suddenly go anonymous. What he <laughs> no. what he realized exactly, <laughs> what he realized was that what what it meant was that from that why while in private browsing no nothing that happened during that session of private browsing would be sticky nothing would be for example written to disk but but going into private browsing didn't immediately anonymize you from your non private browsing session, in fact, you know all you brought all your cookies with you th- that you would have had before browsing it 's just that anything that happened during that time was not saved and he said, you know, Steve, you know might be worth pointing that out to people who assumed that they were anonymous while using private browsing. I thought yeah that's a really good point ought to ought to mention that and then also in errata, we were talking about IP space depletion as probably being next year's recurring theme and, and news. Um, Ars Technica call uh, carried an interesting story where they mentioned that one of the major um, slash eight networks, in this case, the 45 network, meaning all 16 plus million IPs beginning with 45 dot so 45 dot anything they were pre- previously all allocated to Interop and Interop gave back to Aaron 99% of them um, oh, just good. just now
0: just as we were as
1: as we were asking you know couldn't they just ask for these back yes yeah and so it was uh you know so so there is there's no provision for Aaron to like force unused IPs back apparently behind the scenes Aaron is going around to people who have huge allocations from you know the the original allocation of you know the the first digit of the IP and saying hey you know um you're not really using all 16 million of those, <laughs> and give us uh, a few back, just a few. L- really like to have some. <laughs> now, there was an interesting chart. I provided the link to you in our notes, Leo. It's got the, um, on that page is a really nice map, which shows the allocated uh, networks and those which are still not allocated. So the free ones are five, twenty-three, thirty-seven. 39, 100, 102, 103, 104, 105, it 106. It looks like a bingo chart. It does. <laughs> 179 and 185.
0: And then there's a bunch of unusable ones, 127 and 224 and up.
1: Yep, two two 224 and up. Um,
0: and, of course, and of course, 10, 10, yeah. 10
1: is, is unusable. That, that's the whole 10-dot um, uh, RFC 1918 right. reserve network. Right. Um, and interestingly... Despite, I mean, Interop doing this was very nice. What it bought us was one month. So giving back 99% of a full slash eight network. Wow. Bought us a month. So we're in trouble. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I have a very short note from uh, a happy user of Spinrite that I want to share. Diane Dunant, who wrote, and just very quickly, she said, uh, she called it GRC post-sales statement. She said, GRC, I've used my copy of Spinrite 6 to correct two of my home computers. One that would not load into Windows after the Windows scrolling bar screen, whatever she meant by that, after the Windows scrolling bar screen. And then she said, and the other... With a Windows registry hive error that kept it from booting. Oh, yeah. Spinwright has, without a doubt, saved my bacon. That's great. Thanks so much. That's great.
0: Yeah, those hive errors are horrible. Oh, boy, yes. I've, I've had them and you've had them. Yeah. Well, it's just this opaque binary blob <laughs> that you can't fix. So obviously, there was a bad sector somewhere in that blob, and Spinwright yep. was able to recover the sector, which is exact exactly right. Yeah. Hey, before we get into the topic of the day, our fire sheep. Let me take a little break and mention Carbonite.com. You know, we talk about backup all the time. Spinrite, of course, is a great tool to have, but if you haven't been backing up, (laughs) you're putting all your eggs in the Spinrite basket. I know Steve would agree with me. Maybe it would cost him a sale or two, I doubt it, but maybe it would cost him a sale or two if everybody would just back up. But it sure would save people a little bit of craziness and heartache. And that's where I like Carbonite so much. Carbonite is automatic backup. So you don't have to think about it. You know, if you, There are a lot of backup solutions that you have to remember. Oh, every Sunday I'm going to backup or whatever. And this is not that. This does it all the time whenever you're online. And because it uses a 128-bit SSL, it is not prone to attacks like Firesheep. You're absolutely secure even if you're in an open apps- access point and uh, doing the backup. I think I'm right, Steve, right? Firesheep won't get through SSL. Nope. And in fact, uh,
1: no. Good. All right.
0: It also uh, does allow additional encryption uh, using uh, AES. Actually, I've been saying AES, and I think I, I, I stand corrected. I know Carbonite Pro uses Triple DES and Blowfish, which is just as good. Um yep. So uh, whatever, it uses strong encryption uh, and only you have the passcode. So you're absolutely secure in that way as well. And it's unlimited backup for all the personal files on your internal drive. And it doesn't include external drives or network mapped drives, that kind of thing. It's your internal drive. Uh, I mean, after all, they're giving you unlimited backup. (laughs) That doesn't mean a thousand petabytes of data, Uh, but whatever you can have on your internal drive. And that can be many, many, many gigabytes. Uh, All safe, all secure for $55 a year. It's really worth it for the peace of mind. Now, I want you to try it free for two weeks. I always encourage you to try these free. And that's one of the reasons we get all of our sponsors, well, with one exception. Ford hasn't yet figured out how to give you a free car. But all of our sponsors do offer you uh, two weeks or a month free, so you can see if this is right for you. Please try it. Go to Carbonite.com, use the offer code SECURITY, try it free for two weeks, See if it works for you, see if you like it, and then if you decide to buy, continue to use that offer code security for two months off. Two months free. Carbonite dot com. Use the offer code security. It's backup done right, and it sure is peace of mind. You can still buy spin right, but <laughs> at least this way you won't have all your eggs in the spin
1: right basket. All right, let's talk about fire sheep. Okay, so um, this last Sunday on the twenty fourth of October, the uh, the the TourCon 12 annual security conference occurred from Friday wow. through Sunday. On, uh, well, and there were a number of presentations, as there are at these security conferences. Uh, I got a kick out of two of them that um, our friend Sammy Kankar, who is, of course, notorious for his creation of the EverCookie. I love the title of his. I didn't bother to go dig into what it was, but the title was How I Met Your Girlfriend. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. It sounds like it sounds like a sitcom. Uh, exactly. I just I got a kick out of the title of his How I Met Your Girlfriend. You know, and you can imagine at a security conference. It's something you didn't you didn't do right. To get, get your attention. Yeah. You know, gave him access to her. Uh and then Julia Wolfe's uh, had the my favorite presentation title. It was all caps uh, with underscores OMG <laughs> underscore WTF <laughs> underscore PDF. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Say, no more. <laughs> Say no more. OMG <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, at noon on Sunday, the last day of the conference, Eric Butler and Ian Gallagher, both security guys who uh, operate out of Seattle, Washington, uh, delivered their presentation, which pretty much brought the house down. It was titled, Hey, Web 2.0, start protecting user privacy instead of pretending to. And their the description of their presentation online is worth sharing. Uh, th- this is what they wrote ahead of time. It says, despite growing public concern over web privacy, especially within social networking sites, companies including Facebook, Twitter, and even Google, all fail to protect users against session hijacking attacks. These attacks are nothing. Session hijacking is one of the oldest, simplest, and most widely known attacks against the web. An interested attacker can view your private Facebook photos, broadcast tweets as you, see your web history, and anything else you can do while logged in to your own online accounts. We're bringing up this tired issue to remind people of the risks they face, especially when on open Wi-Fi networks, and to remind companies that they have a responsibility to protect their users. To drive this point home, we are releasing an open source tool at TourCon12, which shows you a buddy list of people's online accounts being used around you you, and lets you simply double click to hijack them. Okay. This is fantastic, Leo. You think this is good? Oh, this is the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> this is my—I mean, this—if I—if I had a different security profile than I do, this is what I would write. Wow! I can't write it, but I can cheer it. Mm. Uh, this is great because this is finally going to really put—I mean, this is going to this this is what it takes to force change. Yeah, you know. We're never going to move from IP4 to IP6 until we run out of IPs. We're never going to get online Web 2.0 sites to just switch over to SSL, exclusively yeah. until they have to and this makes them do it.
0: You know we uh, when I used to go on uh, uh, I still do. I go on geek cruises uh, uh, with a guy named Randall Schwartz, you know Randall, he's of a course. pro programmer does our this week in uh, open source floss. And um he's also a hacker from go- years gone by. And uh, we we got him to stop doing this, but it was the same thing. It was very effective. He, I'll never forget the first time I was on a cruise with him. He came up with me and gave, gave me a piece of paper. He said, is this your email password? I said, what? <laughs> he said, you're sending it uh, in the clear every time
1: you're on the ship's Wi-Fi. I just thought you should know. Same idea, right? Well, yes. And look at the trouble Google got themselves into by capturing unencrypted Wi-Fi. I mean, just driving around. They weren't even doing it. Okay, so, so to, give, to, to frame this a little better, consumeraffairs.com today wrote, quote, computer security specialists have issued a warning about Firesheep, a new downloadable add-on to the Firefox browser. If a person in a coffee shop with you has it, they can see exactly what you're doing online. The feature was reportedly created by a Seattle software developer whose purpose was to demonstrate how vulnerable unsecured networks are. Unfortunately, he's unleashed a tool that can turn a computer amateur into an accomplished hacker. With FireSheep, a computer user can log on to a public network in an airport or coffee shop and get a list of all the computers that happened to be connected to the network at that moment, simply by double-clicking on one of the names. I mean, this thing, it it shows you a list of all the users on your Wi-Fi hotspot, the social networks they're using, and their pictures, which it goes and retrieves from their Facebook page and MySpace and anything else, Twitter, for example, and, and literally, you, you browse them. You click This and it, and I'm going to explain how in detail in a second. But you're then them, you're logged on as them to their Facebook page, to their MySpace domain, to their Twitter account, able to do anything they are. This is chaos, Leo. This is fantastic.
0: You're sounding like a black hat. <laughs> it's What's amazing is how easy it is to use. I
1: mean, you have this and extension installed and you just see the list. That's the point. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, you, you could be a Linux user with Kane enable and you could type a bunch of arcane crypto commands and see this stuff going on. I mean, I, I've done that. You know, I mean, it's possible. The, but this is a this is a game changer because of how easy this makes it. Now, when I went there uh, this morning, there were three hundred thousand seven hundred twenty-four downloads. Uh, can you click the link now?
0: Holy uh, cow! Wow. Yeah. Let me let me uh, let me go back to it and uh, see how many there are now. This is uh, at uh, GitHub. He's, he's he's not by the way an official Firefox extension. Correct. He does not offer it through Firefox. They probably had to block
1: it. 325,985 downloads. Okay, so since this morning, another 25,000 downloads. (laughs) Mozilla is on record as saying uh, of this extension that, well, this is not a Firefox vulnerability. Right. This is, you know... Any um, browser could do this, right? Yes, and in fact, the, the cat's out of the bag now. If Firefox were to block it it's trivial to create a standalone application that will do this. And I'm sure we're going to see one shortly. There's just no doubt about it. Now this works now, because these
0: passwords are being set in the clear.
1: Well, not, no, no, no. no, And that's what session hijacking is. We'll talk about it in one second. So just to finish the consumer affairs story, they said, um, simply by double clicking on one of the names, The Fire Sheep user can access whatever the computer user is doing online. If they're updating their Firefox account, the Fire Fire Sheep user is also logged in. Fire Sheep works by intercepting internet cookies, which websites place on your computer when you visit, so they will recognize you when you return. Uh Professional hackers have had the tool in their arsenal for years. Now, thanks to Fire Sheep, anybody that has downloaded the add-on can do it too. And so, so here's the deal. You, on all these sites, you they switch you to SSL to log you in. But, and they, but then they give your browser an unsecure cookie, take you back out of SSL just because they can. <laughs> they don't have to, but they do. And now that cookie wow. is the way your session is authenticated. That is the only way you're identified. So so anybody sniffing your unencrypted traffic, which all traffic is at an open Wi-Fi hotspot, has always, has long been able to, to use that cookie, pick up that cookie, which is sent with every request your browser makes. That's the way you that that's your entire session state is that cookie just some random gobbledygook, doesn't matter what it is all a third party has to do is use that cookie and they are indistinguishable from you at that you know at that location and even your IPs are the same because you're all being NATted through a single IP out onto the internet so so There's, you know, you look just like the person sitting next to you at Starbucks. So, currently supported is Amazon, Basecamp, Bitly, Enom, Facebook, Foursquare, GitHub, Google, Hacker News, Harvest, The New York Times. Pivotal Tracker, Twitter, TourCon, Evernote, Dropbox, Windows Live, Crap, Cisco, all the stuff I use, SliceHost, Gowalla, and Flickr. And coming soon is Yahoo, eBay, LinkedIn, Dig, Reddit, Wikipedia, Blogger, GoDaddy, Posterous, Tumblr, Netflix, YouTube, Flashdot, MobileMe, PayPal, Salesforce, Craigslist, Myspace, Myspace, Matt, and AOL. This is terrible. It's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Holy cow. I mean, uh, okay. Go ahead. So, first of all... (laughs) I'm terrified. um, There's... Okay, some of this is a bit of an exaggeration. For example, PayPal is on the coming soon. But PayPal never has you in the clear. I don't think even using SSL strip, which would remove the HTTPSs from the links, I don't think PayPal will function. And... We know that PayPal is an early adopter of STS, the uh, strict transport security protocol, which for example, Mozilla is supporting. And what Mozilla in Mozilla's formal comments they said about this about this add on, they said, Well this is not a mistake in Firefox. This is because sites are not using SSL to Transact session state in cookies. You may, if, if we turn the clack, clock back a few years, you may remember that at one point I was needing to allow um, my employees Greg and Sue to roam away from home, where I had them locked down for secure access to GRC. I wanted them to be able to roam around, and what I used was a feature that browsers have always had where cookies can be tagged as as ssl only so that when the cookie is is given to the browser it's the, it, there's a flag that just calls secure equals um and you say secure equals 1 or yes or something and so the browser tags it it will never send it out unless the session is secure so so part of my means for For secure, you know, where I, you know, Sue, for example, could be using a um, an open Wi-Fi hotspot. First of all, GRC enforces SSL for these things and never accepts a non-SSL connection. But even so, the cookies that we use for maintaining state are tagged as SSL only. That if anything, for example, if strip SSL were used to to strip that out. Even though at my server side, I refuse to accept a, non, a non-SSL a non connection. So even strip SSL wouldn't work. The browser at that location would never divulge the session state over a non-SSL connection. So, you know, it is entirely possible. It's not rocket science just to force SSL. It's just... All of these sites are not doing it. They're switching people back over. And and I'm excited about this, obviously, because, because this is going to create major ripples. I mean, the idea that – I mean, th- there will be half a million of these things downloaded by tomorrow. Um, this thing is going to take off like wildfire. People are going to experiment with it. They're going to load it into Firefox, go to Starbucks, and say, wow. It works. I mean, maybe mischief is going to be created by this. I imagine some will be there. I mean, I would never, ever touch anyone's, you know, web, you know, Facebook sites, settings or anything. Um, unfortunately, not everyone is, are you and me, Leo. Um, and, you know, immediately people like Amazon, I mean, Amazon is guilty, too, of Taking us back out of SSL for, we've discussed this before with Amazon, important transactions are back to SSL. In fact, just like last month, I was talking to Mark Thompson about this. He's working on a project, and he, we were talking about security, and he, he had looked closely at what Amazon does and mentioned to me that they were, that you know, Amazon took you back out of SSL, and it was only for things that mattered. And I said, Mark, listen to me. Absolutely, without equivocation, never accept a non-SSL connection. There is no reason in this day and age not to always be using SSL. Um, He's doing something where, you know, there will be sensitive information. And I said, just from day one, never make this mistake. Always be SSL all the time. For the kind of stuff he's doing, and um I think i'm I think I made the point with him so that that's the way his system will be designed. These other companies are gonna are just gonna have to make the change i mean and we're talking within days this is i mean this is huge, and this is this represents a major major positive lesson now that this exists. <laughs> It's called a now spanking. The, uh, I mean, this is really, this is really
0: big. Oh, it's scaring the hell out of me. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I presume you have some su- suggestions besides. Well, yes. I don't know. Do you have some things? To, are we are we done? <laughs> <laughs> is that all you're going to say, or are you going to give us some? Uh, I I have some, some more tips. after our our, our third right. sponsor. Let's take a little break, and we're going to come back and talk more about fire sheep. Um. Uh, didn't mention google in that list i guess that's because google is ssl yes the whole time and gmail went ssl yeah thank now you know why yep um wow this is really 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 interesting and i'm sure there are things we can do and uh, there's a there's obviously a big lesson to be learned here but we'll talk more about that in a sec right now i want to talk about our friends at ford the uh, great ford cars the american-made technology that is Beating everyone else all around the world. I'm pretty proud of that. I, I know we have listeners all around the world. And by the way, the new Ford Focus, which is Ford's international. one, This is a very bold thing Ford's doing. Ford, Ford, uh, Ford has always been popular all around the world. Uh, you see Ford uh, Fiestas everywhere and so forth. Um, they are going to try something a little different. They're making the Ford Focus for next year, which will be one design, one body style for the entire world. It's a world car. And it's a really slick car. And I cannot wait to see how all around the world people uh, uh, receive this car and receive the Ford Sync. Because that is the technology that I just, just blows me away. It's true hands-free calling, turn-by-turn directions, 911 assist, uh, music search, traffic alerts. You know, you don't have to have a, a big-screen GPS. Those are optional in most cars. Uh, most Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury vehicles, and I have one in my 2010 Mustang. But you don't have to have that. If you've got the sync, it will; it has a GPS built in, and it will give you turn-by-turn directions. It even knows your route and will reroute you if traffic is bad. So it it, it, it gives you traffic alerts of uh, uh, what's ahead. Uh, on some phones, it will read you your text messages. It does on my Android, uh, my Droid X. So I can turn this off, obviously. But if I want, I, it'll alert me, and new text messages come in, and it'll read it to me if I say so. With And again, your hands... Don't leave the wheel. Your eyes don't leave the road. It's a safety feature, but you are no longer kind of disconnected as you have been in the past once you get in the car. I'm, people people want to stay connected, and Ford lets you do it. Listen to your podcasts. I press a button on the wheel, and I say, play security now, 272, and it's playing. All the Ford uh, Sync vehicles have USB connections, work with uh, all the iPods and iPhones and I, uh, uh, iPads even. Uh, the Bluetooth streaming Bluetooth from any a2DP device which is all the Apple devices the Android devices so I get in the car and I don't have to even plug in I can listen to my book my audio book I can listen to my music and I can command it it's just really slick you can find out more if you go to SyncMyRidePodcast.com but the best way to do it you know I said not. not I said Ford is the only sponsor that doesn't uh, give you a free trial but I guess you can always go to you do in a way because you can always go to a Ford dealer or a Lincoln dealer or a Mercury dealer and say hey I'm interested in Sync I want to. I want to take a ride and they and they will let you, and you will be able to use it. SyncMyRidePodcast.com dot com to find out more. Um, Ford is just a I I'm we you know we went out there the the, the Dearborn plan and just it's I'm just really excited about what they're up to. SyncMyRidePodcast.com. dot com. Take a look at Ford Sync today, and if you take a look at the new Edge, they've got the new MyFord Touch with the three screens, the eight inch screen. Just really slick stuff. All right, let's get back to uh, security now. Steve Gibson has been telling us about a Firefox extension. Uh, kind of, a, it's it's on GitHub. It's not on the f- official extensions page, but if you search for FireSheep, you'll find it right away.
1: Yep. If you just Google FireSheep, you'll find you know uh, it on GitHub and a bunch of stories about it. Um, you said not to install it. You told me not to install it. Um, no. Um, uh I'm going to install it. It's bu- it's hack- a little buggy. Uh yes, it is it is raw. It's 0.1. It's the code that they released at the show on Sunday. They're in the process of, it's right now supported for Windows and Mac. For Windows, you need to install the WinPcap uh sniffing library uh thanks to me actually because Windows doesn't have raw sockets. Oh. Which is what WinPCap provides. Oh, how interesting! Uh huh. Um, but you don't Mac, need to do that on the Mac, huh? Correct. The Mac does support standard Unix raw sockets. Oh, interesting. Um, and so you're a- it's able to sniff. Uh, I saw a note from the developer that he's got it running under Linux. So he's in the process of, of getting it up under Linux. So my- if if my if my understanding
0: is correct, let me just to, to recap. People people are tuning in or whatever. You install this extension. You go anywhere where there's an open access point, a, you know, anywhere, like coffee shop, Starbucks, whatever, and it will uh, show you on the left. Or or driving down the street, Leo. Also. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a lot of open access points yeah. all, all around the street. So it, w- it will show you, uh, on the left, there's a, a bar opens up, and it will show you open uh, other people sharing that open access spot with you, and what they're logged into.
1: Yes, the idea is it's it's... It's sniffing the traffic just the way Google did when they were roaming around doing their mapping. It it sniffs all the traffic that's available on the Wi-Fi uh, at, you know, at that access point. It looks at the transactions. It sees www.facebook.com, twitter.com, um, amazon.com, New York Times, Foursquare, and so forth. It It has a little bit of JavaScript which tells it, how to interpret those specific sites that it knows about, and it has a a separate file of handlers which is growing now as it's becoming more able to um, to, to to deal with additional sites. And so what it does is it starts populating like a list uh, on like, like like a sidebar of all the things that people are doing on that Wi-Fi hotspot. Their name. It goes and shows you their photo, so you can sort of turn around and go, "Oh yeah, there he is over there on the side." Yeah, yeah. Um, you and so So it pulls these photos from Twitter or Facebook or Flickr or wherever the
0: profile photos exist,
1: right? Because it knows everything about them. It's able to (laughs) it's able to log in as them, get that information, and then you simply, if you want to impersonate them, literally uh, hijack their their session, you just double click on it, and you're logged in as them at at you know on and their Facebook page. It does, it does page. that
0: because it you, doesn't give you the password. It's not that the password is set in the clear, but the cookie, the authenticating cookie, is set in the clear, and so
1: you have the cookie. You just say I'm them. Correct. Now, okay, there are the 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 the, the thing that Starbucks could do to fix this immediately. I mean, and it would be wonderful if they did, is simply to bring up WPA encryption with the password Starbucks. Ah, Doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be unknown we don't have to have per user passwords or anything we already discussed how wpa provides inter-client isolation we discussed this a couple months ago Uh under different contexts so right now you walk into starbucks and you're online they're unencrypted and they're open so use wpa you can tell everybody
0: the password including somebody
1: running fire sheep doesn't matter yes oh this is that's a simple fix so it's a huge fix, and it's the, thing, it's the kind of thing that Starbucks, that is mentioned in these articles over and over, and I keep saying their name because I'm at Starbucks all the time, I would love them to bring up WPA encryption across all of their newly free Wi-Fi and just let people know. I mean, everyone would know, you know, as soon as you try to log on, it'll say, what's your password? Just type in Starbucks. Put a sign over the counter and the problem is solved completely solved at you know period so if you're
0: if you're i'm gonna go over to my local coffee shop my friends over at uh, the bakery over here have Wi. in fact everybody in town now has wi-fi open wi-fi and just say this is all you have to do please do
1: this use the name of the establishment as the password and it would fix it well and in fact leo have this installed on your mac walk over there show them that right now oh
0: that's a good idea
1: all the users that are, that are using it are exposed because they're using their Wi-Fi wow. and tell them it's this easy to fix it. Now, if I
0: logged in as somebody using the cookie, let's say I got into their Facebook account,
1: could I just change their password? Absolutely. You're them. I mean, we're talking, he- this is havoc. This is chaos. Wow. Now, some, some
0: sites would say, well, what's your original password and would need that. Ah, good point. Yes. So you if, hope that they do if, things if, like that. Yes, good lord! But even if they can't change your password, they can read everything as if they're, all, they're you. That
1: they could change your photos. They could you know change oh, your God. privacy settings, drop all your privacy oh, to zero. Yeah. Oh, this is horrible! It's horrible. We're going to see people using this like crazy. I know. I mean, what's the download count now? <laughs> it's like the count and the
0: amount. Let me let me let me, let me go back. 300- and see downloads. It was three twenty five nine eighty five. I think thanks to this show alone, you probably. 327940, another two thousand people have downloaded it. Just
1: since yeah. we looked last time. Yeah, it's it's gonna go exponential. Oh, yeah, 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 you know. yeah, yeah. yeah, and and again, this is just the first. Now that this concept is out, we're gonna see it go like crazy. And and so, okay, so the thing that the the remediation for the wireless access providers simply bring up encryption, finally. And again, it doesn't have to be a secret password, just Starbucks can make it Starbucks, and that solves the problem. The However, the 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 providers of these services, the Facebook, the Twitter, the MySpace, and so forth, they can't rely on that. They have to simply enforce SSL, just like Google did. While, while you were reading that, that, that last sponsorship spot, I went over to docs.google.com, which I had just been using to prepare the, the docs for this, and tried to remove the s from http and it bounced me it redirected me right back over to https forcing me to have a secure connection while i was doing these things so so google is enforcing it there's no reason everyone isn't
0: yeah nowadays b- machines are f- even these netbooks are fast enough to do ssl full time
1: actually there's never been a question remember oh. that i mean th- and i've already seen this by 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 people who aren't up to speed on encryption, SSL used to be expensive back with HTTP 1.0 when browsers were dropping and re-establishing connections. Now browsers are maintaining those 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 persistent connections to web servers. The only expense is during the public key negotiation at the beginning of a transaction and. SSL now caches credentials. So even browsers that drop connections and reconnect, you're able to use a cached credential. The, the overhead is negligible because of other advances that have been made in the protocols. So it's not expensive for the, for the end user, and it's not even expensive for the aggregation of all those connections at the server. There's just no reason not to do it.
0: Wow, very interesting.
1: And this is... I'm sure we'll have some news next week. because This thing is... <laughs> well, yeah, I think everybody... I mean, if you if you were malicious, you're going to go out there
0: and and I'm just thinking, I mean, uh, I'll probably use... I'm using an open access point right now. I mean, uh, holy cow, we're going to lock down our access points here at the uh,
1: Yep, just studio. use a simple... Secu- all you have is a simple password because, as we discussed, WPA does enforce inter client isolation individual clients negotiate their own their own private keys with the access point even though they're using a common password the password gets them in but then they and then their sessions are individually isolated so so that provides you protection against this kind of passive eavesdropping wow. so it's trivial for starbucks to fix the problem and it'd be great if they did yeah let's hope they do and in the meantime, uh, Fire Sheep Firefox add-on. Have fun. Don't be bad with it. Don't, don't be, be bad. bad. But just have fun because case. You know, Shep, is-
0: Don't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many of people at the end the Twit Cottage have already downloaded this. <laughs> wow. Um, Steve Gibson is at grc.com. That's his website. That's a place you can go uh, to get. You can. The DNS benchmark is out in beta. Uh, mm. and I presume that we'll talk about oh, it.
1: And, no, it's out of beta. It's at version 1.2. I did want to mention to our listeners, thank you for reminding me, Leo. It's linked from the main menu. It's on our freeware page. I I took it public for this podcast before this, this oh, before Fire Sheep happened. And it's like, oh, shoot. Now i got to wait two weeks. <laughs> but this, this would be good because our listeners... Ought to grab it, take a look at it, familiarize themselves with it. Frankly, I think you'll be blown away with what I did in 162k of code. Um, and I'm going to in two that's weeks amazing. we will talk about uh, all the technology that's underneath the covers there and and what it does and how it works. Truly amazing. Uh, that's GRC.com. That's
0: where Steve lives, Gibson Research Corporation. It's also where Shields Up is and a whole bunch of other free, useful utilities for security. And, of course, one paid utility that you must have, Steve's bread and butter, it's called Spinrite, S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E, the world's best hard drive recovery and maintenance utility. And you should be using it if you've got hard drives. Not on solid state, but on uh, on spinning drives, you <laughs> absolutely should be using yep. it. Uh, and, uh, when you go there, you can also visit the, uh, show notes, the 16 kilobit as well as 64 kilobit version. Steve hosts, he has uh, small versions for people with bandwidth limitations. He also has a complete transcription of every show, which is great. Um, that's all grc.com. And if you have a question for next week's show, cause we usually do a and a show every odd episode, um, grc.com slash feedback to ask that question. If you heard something today or on any show that you want to know more about, that's a good time to do that. GRC.com slash feedback. You can watch us do the show every uh, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1800 UTC at live.twit.tv. And uh, join us in the chat room at irc.twit.tv. Always fun. Um, but, of course, most people listen after the fact at your convenience just by downloading the show. Uh, twit.tv slash sn. For Security Now, Twit.tv slash sn has a list of all the different RSS feeds, the iTunes, the Zune, and and and
1: all of that, so you can get it that way. Looks about f- five downloads per second right now. <laughs> Holy God, oh my Jesus! Three hundred twenty-eight thousand five hundred fifty-six. Yeah, I love this
0: idea. I'm going to put it on this on the little air. Uh, bring it over to uh, my local coffee shop, good friends of mine, and say, you know, Nate, you might want to turn on WPA.
1: Yeah, and then just and then just put up a little sign. Here's our password. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, it's so easy to do all, you know, as, as we know, when you go to, um, th- th- there's a, an Italian restaurant that I go to and they're encrypted. And so, you know, the first time I walked you with my iPad, I said, oh, well, I, I can't remember what your password. And I, th- I, th- I think it was like Real Good Eats or something like that. <laughs> That's you know? great. And it's just they tell everybody and, and that way they're, they're not exposing their own customers to this kind of, of liability. Yeah. So Sorry. it doesn't have to be secret. Real Good Eats, I like that. Thank you Steve we'll see you next week. On Thanks Leo. Security now.
0: Security now.